Hey guys, this is Taylor. Uh, sorry, I'm here without Emily. I know. I miss her too. Uh, I'm literally just here to tell you that this upcoming episode is uh, pretty short. You might have noticed uh, when you were downloading. Um, and that is because it is the live episode that we did uh, last week, Saturday, at the Women in Podcasting Festival in Chicago. And uh, it was 25 minutes, although I guess it's a little over. We went slightly over 25 minutes, but honestly, I'm like just so proud that we shoved an hour to an hour and a half's worth of podcast into like 28 minutes. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, we had so much fun doing this. We met so many great people from so many great podcasts. Um, I want to personally thank Rob and Martha Southgate um, of the Southgate Media Group for putting on the festival and for having us. It was such an amazing opportunity. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoy listening to this live episode, the first live episode we have ever done. And I didn't really edit it at all. Uh, so you get to hear us. Um, the way we are, completely unedited, and also super nervous, and also a little bit drunk at 12.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday. So thank you guys so much for being with us this whole way. It's our 35th episode. We feel like we have come a long way in the last year and a half or so of doing this podcast. We really hope that you continue to stick with us. We appreciate your support, and uh, I hope that you enjoy this live episode of The Uh-Oh Feeling. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Hello, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs> we are the Uh-Oh Feeling. I'm Taylor. I'm Emily. And uh, we are going to do a little bit of an intro here before we launch into basically um, something we do in an hour in 25 minutes. So we're going to do our best here. <laughs> Sometimes it takes two. Yes. It's fine. We'll be fine. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we are the Uh-Oh Feeling. Mm -hmm. We are both born and raised in Wisconsin. So we're down here in Illinois yeah. doing our thing. Thanks for having us. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the uh-oh feeling started because uh, we came together as people because we liked true crime for the most part. We had a few other interests, but we really um. liked talking about true crime. Um, but when we decided to do this, we wanted to put something together that was a little different than what we'd heard before. Um, and we decided that we wanted to focus on survivors. So we wanted to talk about people who had survived things, and it started out very true crime heavy, people yes. who had survived attempted murders, uh, kidnappings, things like that. Uh, and but it branched into yes. surviving being trapped in a blizzard or bear attacks. And there was, just, there was a whole episode about bears, and it wasn't supposed to be about bears. Having to eat your friends on a boat. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Cannibalism life. It's yeah, whatever, whatever you have to do to survive. Um, so we're kind of all over the place now. We've even done... Um, People we know have come on to talk about their survivor stories with various things. Emily's talked about hers. Um, we've had a couple of friends come on and talk about um, like sexual survivor stories um, of abuse and, and assault. So we're, we can get pretty heavy sometimes, but we do like to stay. We try and lighten it up. Yeah, we try to stay and keep some levity the in there. on keeping it a light episode. Yeah. And we just like tank it down into sadness. Some, some of them are pretty gross. <laughs> we apologize. This one's not super gross, at least. Not my half. I don't know what you're up to. <laughs> That's the other thing. Okay. So, um, to kind of kick it off, I'm going to tell a story because, like we said, we normally do like two stories that span about an hour to an hour and a half. So, 
I've got my condensed down to about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> so I'm doing little survivor stories based on kind of well-known serial killers that I wouldn't really be able to do in our podcast. So I'm going to set the mood. Oh, okay. We're going we're gonna to go back in time to 1974. Oh. It's not our favorite decade on this That's podcast. unfortunate. <laughs> it's not a good one. <laughs> so let's look at Pat Kraft. She was at Sunday evening mass in Utah and noticed that someone was watching her from the back of the church during communion. Okay. She had long, dark hair that she parted down the middle. Nuh-uh. No, no, uh, don't, get okay. don't get ahead of me. No, don't wait. get ahead of me. I'm sorry. All right, so our mystery man approached her and invited her back to his hotel room for some wine. He didn't like the word no. He had a hard time taking that as an answer and told her so, to be more adventurous. Hey, Emily, this doesn't sound good at so, all. So <laughs> a quote from Pat as he talked to me, I heard a voice say in my head, you want me to go with you so that you can kill me. Just then my ride pulled up and I told him goodbye. Honestly, he was spooky and determined. I remember the feeling of being in Ted Bundy's presence. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Called it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt that frightened again in my life. So... It's not always like a screaming voice. It can be a small little like whisper in the wind as you're walking and something just kind of tells you, don't go this way. Don't get in this car. Get on this bus. Wait for the next bus. You know, don't stay at this party. Um, anything. We kind of, it's, the, it's, it's your little uh-oh feeling. It's telling you, hey, something might be up. Let's get out of here. One of our hashtags is trust your gut. Yes. Like, if something is telling you, get yeah. out of Ted Bundy's car, <laughs> um, maybe do it. <laughs> you know, maybe. Because, um, I mean, I know I've had a lot of uh-oh feelings, especially, like, if I'm out with friends. My gut tells me, hey, it's time to go home. My brain says, eh, no, we're fine. And then something bad happens. And literally. Like, okay, you know what? I should have gone home about an hour ago. It's literally never fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Like she said earlier, I talk about my survival story. It's on our episode four of It's Ladies' Night and the Feeling's Not Right. Um, so if you're curious about that, just because we're in a bit of a time crunch, I don't want to kind of delve into that. Uh, let's see. So a few more close encounters. Uh, let's see. Let's go to 1979. So oh, one, we're two, still in the 70s. We're still in the 70s. No. All these are in the 70s. I would like to leave the 70s. It was I've... an accidental theme I didn't mean to set up. <laughs> so Anna Williams was a recent widow. Mm -hmm. She was returning home from her weekly square dancing class. And okay, okay. Yep. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. Go on. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and as she was going home, she made a decision in the car to go visit her daughter. Something told her, don't go home, go somewhere else. <gasps> I feel like I know who this is. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Stop getting ahead of me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so she didn't go home and it saved her life because waiting for her was Dennis Rader, AKA BTK. And yeah. he had snuck into her home, snipped the phone line and had entered in through a basement window. He went through her home looking for mementos and waited and waited and waited. And then by 10 p.m., she still wasn't home. He was pissed off. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm done. Screw you, so, Dennis. Screw you, Dennis. <laughs> so, hey, 
Hey, Taylor, you remember how that one time when we were driving up to the cities and we uh-huh. listened to, like, some of his poetry? Yeah, I don't know why we did that. I forgot. Um, I mean, it was a really <laughs> weird day. It wasn't a good so, day. So, he wrote a poem, if you didn't know. Dennis Rader wrote poetry. It's not good. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't, it's the worst. It's oh. not good. Oh. Please, please, please read don't. some. No, do it. <laughs> For your health and your sanity, you'll feel better about yourself and every choice you've ever made. I don't know about made. that one. It's so good. So he wrote a poem for her called, Oh, Anna, Why Didn't You Appear? <laughs> it's 19 lines, and it starts out with twas. <laughs> so he sent her this poem in an, a letter written to her dead husband, care of her with a pair of her pantyhose. I forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got it. It's all, it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> it's not good, but she didn't go home because something told her, hey, go see your daughter. So smart. The last little one I have is kind of a famous one. We're just going to put BTK in a Ted Bundy sandwich and just, it's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> I hate that. Worst sandwich ever. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's kind of famous. It's towards the end of Bundy's killing spree in Florida. Because he was one of those weird ones that also, like, had serial killer moments and then went on a killing spree. We, he got bored. He got bored. It's, it's fine. He lost it. So he's in Florida, in Pensacola, and there's a woman who was working for the city of Pensacola. She was working the night shift. She came outside, and he did his normal thing in his little Volkswagen bug mm-hmm. with a sling on, being like, oh, can you help me with something? I oh, so I'm many so things. weak, I'm so broken. And she was like, um, I don't like you. I don't trust you. Let me just call the cops to help you. Oh. Yeah, she was like, no, here, I'll call 911 for you to help you. What a power and move. go inside. Like, not only am I not going to help you, I'm going to call the police. Yeah. And they'll help you if that's really what because you're looking for. she said she got the creeps from him. He was a little too aggressive with his need for help. So she decides to go inside. By the time she closes the door, he is... We are setting the mood for Bundy. <laughs> wow. All right. Ted, Ted Bundy... Ted Bundy deserves a lighting change, you guys. (laughs) All right? So she's walking really fast into City Hall, almost running. She manages to close the door and lock it, and as she turns, she sees through the window Bundy lunging for the door. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's the scariest thing I've ever heard. It doesn't even matter. Like, you don't know him as Ted Bundy at the time. It's a dude lunging at you. Yeah, (laughs) with a sling on. Yeah. I don't, I don't trust men who seem injured anymore. That's, you shouldn't. So, thank you. Um, sorry, Ted Bundy just, ruined that for all of you. Yeah, just to you, kind of give you that little time span. He was arrested three days later. So he was really at the end of his murder spree. I mean, wow. we won't talk about the times he escaped and lived in the woods, but like... But, but, it's fine. Yeah, oh. don't worry about it. Uh, we it's talk fine. about him it's on an fine. episode. It's, um, it's fine. It's not fine. We talked about it. That was my birthday episode. I decided <laughs> to do Ted Bundy. It's not good. Um, it's okay. She, she could have been one of his last Yeah, victims. so that was Lori Robinson, and that could have gone horribly for her. Good for you, Lori. Yeah. Killing it. Proud of her. 
Yeah, those awesome. are my three seventies BTK sandwich. Um, you know, stories. we talked about Doctor Who earlier. I, I, I really sincerely hope that he never goes to the seventies. Nothing good happened there. <laughs> Especially out on the West Coast. Yeah, like, people only hitchhiked and got murdered. That's, that's, true, that's true. And there was a gas shortage of some kind. I, mean, I don't know. That's, that's all that happened for an entire decade. Okay. <laughs> so I'm here to do for you the other part of our podcast. We do a lot of true crimey stuff. But also we do some sort of historical, non-true crime. This cults. is a... Cults. We love cults. Cults are amazing. You probably shouldn't phrase it like that. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to... Some people have t-shirts here today. We don't have a t-shirt. I think I should just be like, I love cults. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but cults, though. <laughs> so um, I am coming at you with a little bit more of a historical story that is still, in my mind, pretty crazy. How many people here are actually from Chicago? A few. Okay, awesome. So you guys are aware of the uh, Chicago fire. Yeah. We're not talking about that. Yeah, sorry. We're from Wisconsin. I'm going to talk about Peshtigo. Woo! <laughs> So uh, the Peshtigo fire is interesting for a lot of reasons. Number one on my list is the fact that it took place on the exact same day as the Great Chicago Fire. Yeah, exactly the same day. <laughs> it's Peshtigo, for those who don't know, this is Wisconsin. Your hand, right? This is the dumb little whatever that we do. This should be, should be Michigan, Michigan, but isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Peshtigo's like right here. So it's several hours north of here. Huge fire, same time, same day, which that day is October 8th, 1871. We're close to an anniversary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we are going... So don't go starting any fires in honor of Peshtigo, please. Apparently not. Um, okay, yes, yeah, I was, I was really happy that it's super close to this. It is the <laughs> 147th anniversary of both the Chicago fire and the Peshtigo fire. So, um, the Peshtigo Fire is, of course, named after the town in which it started, Peshtigo, Wisconsin. But it, is also, it also affected the surrounding communities. So here's some stats real quick. By the time the fire was put out, 1,875 miles of forest had been burned. That's a, that's a piece of land 50% larger than Rhode Island. So, cool. Um, and it destroyed, <laughs> completely destroyed, 12 communities. Um, so how did this happen, you ask? And this part of my notes says how this happened. Um, so eloquent. Thank you. <laughs> I think real hard about this. So how did this happen? 1871 was a dry summer for kind of the entire area. It was so dry, like you could probably accidentally start a fire with the whiskey breath you definitely have because it's 1871. And all there is to do is drink whiskey. Um, <laughs> so um, they, had, they had been doing a lot of brush fires at the time. That's the sort of thing that they, they still do today even. Yep. Brush fires, they clear land for yep. farming. They clear forests for various reasons to make sure there's yeah. new growth. So they were doing that. Smoke had been thick for the entire summer throughout all of the Peshtigo area already. And then, on October 8th, a cold front came in from the west, uh -oh. carrying these huge strong winds that took these little tiny fires and created what is known as a firestorm. That is not just like a shitty sci-fi movie <laughs> that you might turn on when you're drunk. That is a real thing. <laughs> So that's fun for the town of Peshtigo. Um, the firestorm came complete with a fire tornado. <laughs> Ooh, a tornado. So, was it sentient? It was, that's actually, that's in my notes. 
Um, so yeah, you take a tornado and you light it on fire, and that's what Peshtigo had to deal with. Not only did that happen, but the fire jumped. Peshtigo is split by a river. I just want to say that. It's split by the Peshtigo River. Hilarious. Creative. The fire jumped the river at some point. Because the winds were so strong, it just was like, yeah, you know, water, my mortal enemy? Absolutely not. I'm going to keep going. I'm going I'm to be fire somewhere else. Ooh, we're talking about Peshtigo now. It deserves oh, another light oh. change. Lights back up. Okay. Yeah, we're done with Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah. We don't need the mood lighting anymore. Yeah, you're right. Um, so, now I'm going to talk about our survivors. Now that we know that both sides of the town are on fire, and so are, you know, several thousand acres of land around it. It's chill. So very quickly... Um, I will say there were a few ways that people survived this horrible thing in 1871 in a rural farming community. Um, one of those ways was to jump into some wells, which I thought were really, was really great. Um, everybody on their family farm had a well, and it's did just about have, the... Did they have a lassie, though? Now, see... I don't know for sure about Timmy jumped into the well because of the fire, but no one's around to tell anyone. Let me check out my notes. Oh. I don't see a lassie. Okay. Okay. So, but I thought it was hilarious because, like, wells were such a wells were such a dangerous thing for a while there that we couldn't not make stories about how many people used to fall into wells. (laughs) Like that is definitely a thing, and yet they are like the hero of this super rad story. Um, One of our survivors, whose name is the best name I've ever heard in my life, her name was Emerence Gaspard Engelbert. I love her. She's my wife now. <laughs> um, she, uh, I originally, honestly, I originally assumed that she survived the fire by just like telling the fire her name and like waiting <laughs> for it to laugh itself to death. That is not what happened. She jumped into a well with her husband and their six-month-old baby on their farm, and oh they God. waited overnight while hearing the fire approach, hearing their animals like screaming, hearing their whole shit burn down. Um, I know. I feel really bad why for them. Why didn't they take the cow in the well with them? Okay, I think you know why. <laughs> I think that's not possible. In one of our episodes, they took the cow upstairs during flooding. So, like... Some people care more about their cows than others. Why not take it in the well? So, they used... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There might have been some real dope barbecue. I accept that answer. Agreed. Agreed. Um, So... Uh, their great-great-granddaughter, Emerence's great-great-granddaughter, uh, Barbara, has done a ton of research on this story, and this is a quote from her. Um... They told my grandfather stories of how terrible it was because they could hear the screams of the animals and the fire approaching and everything just became a big inferno. So imagine being in that well for like six hours, like waiting for this fire to go down, knowing that your entire life is burning down around you. It's very sad. So they get up, you know, the next day, they climb up from the well. Apparently it wasn't that deep. They did not need a lassie. I'm not sure. They come back up. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. So, Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Wells. Yeah. Normally there's no like ladders or I don't like, know. stairs Look, within the wells. It was it's not like an intricate like It was eighteen seventy one, Emily. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> there was a baby in there. I don't even know. They had a lot of upper body strength for that rope. Yes. Now It's nice to say their whole family made it through this endeavor. Unfortunately, you know, when they got up there they could see it was basically just black crispy ash everywhere their farm their house all their animals still smoking unfortunately uh but they lived they survived because they thought quick um our another survivor 
is a man named Wesley Duckett. He was a child at the time. Um, Wesley wasn't from Peshtigo. He was from a place that is my favorite place of all time. It's called Sugarbush. <laughs> there's, a, there's a kid in here, so I'm not going to make the joke I had written down. <laughs> Hi. Just think it in your head. Think about Sugarbush in your heads. I think you got it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he's from a nearby town, basically, that was also affected by the fire. Quote from Wesley. When the balls of fire started raining down from the sky, my mother and father took us to a spring and wrapped us in wet quilts. My sister saved the sewing machine by wrapping it up, too. So I think the Duckett family has some priorities. Um, namely, mostly their sewing machine. But I couldn't get over the fact that balls of fire were happening. That's, that's how big, great balls of fire. Thank you. So when Sugarbush burned... Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Go on. <laughs> Did it turn a caramel through <laughs> I don't, Is it like a caramel bush? You're, um, being, you're being so not horrible about this, and I really appreciate how I'm not just, sexual I'm you're making this. I'm focusing on the priorities that <laughs> we can talk about versus the ones we can't right now. Right, right. <laughs> um, so they survived by getting into, again, a body of water covered by wet quilts. Some people weren't so lucky. Um, some people who lived in the town of Peshtigo had only the river to go to, the river, that the fire had jumped like a minute ago, <laughs> like it was nothing. So my last survivor I want to talk about was Emilia, help me French major. De Rocher. De Rocher. Although it's Wisconsin, so. Des Rochers? Des Rochers <laughs> is entirely possible. Emilia Des Rochers is probably how they, all right. I mean, um, they say Fond du Lac sometimes, so like. We're the worst. Oh, We're, we it's suck. It's not good. <laughs> um, so I'm going to call her Amelia. Um, Amelia was a five-year-old girl at the time, and she woke up. This is how her day started. To her mother coming into her room screaming, Wake up! The world is ending! <laughs> That's the best thing you can do to a kid. <laughs> so she and her family head to the Peshtigo River, thinking we're just going to get in this river, I guess. And a lot of people did that, and that is how a bunch of people actually died from hypothermia while trying to avoid a fire. Sometimes things happen, <laughs> and it's weird. Um, but Amelia's family did not get in the river. They happened to pass by a barge that was floating down river, hoping to escape. And uh, they get on this barge, and it's fine for a bit. They're floating out of Peshtigo, and then uh, the barge lights on fire. <laughs> Because this fire doesn't care. <laughs> this fire doesn't care about you or your it's family. It's angry. <laughs> it is angry and it is sentient. And it's jumping rivers. It so has of thoughts. It's just going to like yeah, jump onto the barge to get to the other side. Yes. A bunch of people jumped, unfortunately, to their deaths in the river from the barge. Rivers Understandable. Aren't that deep. Rivers aren't that deep, but it was V cold and like move yeah. fat. Look. So <laughs> they actually, Amelia's family was. Smart, I guess, for staying on a burning barge. Uh, but either way, they were able to get the barge under control. They saw that the fire was dying down in the distance, and they turned around, and they came back. And now, okay, look, here's where it gets serious. We're trying to give you a, a minute of what our podcast is actually like. And it's like this, and then it's like this. Okay. This is a quote from Amelia. <laughs> this is a quote from Amelia. On our way back after the fire died down, we passed a place where there were many dead bodies laid on, out on blankets by the riverbank. Beside them was a little baby crying. I will never forget that. 
Um, look, people go through some stuff, and we feel like it's important that we talk about it. Um, so yeah, Amelia had a really hard time dealing with that, obviously, going forward. But I told the two stories about Amelia and Wesley because I thought this was really sweet. When they got older... They got married. They did not get married. That would be so cute. Dang it! I would die. I thought I knew where this was going. I know. They did, when they were old people, uh, they ended up in the Eckland Convalescence Home together. And they met each other, realized they had been through the same thing, and they met up every week to talk about it and like talk through like being there in the aftermath and rebuilding their homes. And like it was, it's a lovely little thing, survivors helping survivors. It's very nice. So not everything is horrible. Um, that's kind of why we talk about survivors, survival stories, because we like to talk about people who made it through these horrible things and had to go on and live their lives and how they continued to do that. So yeah, um, I do just want to wrap this up real quick about. I should explain the wrap up before you. One sec. Okay. One last thing about Pesh to go. Um, the reason why I'm talking about it and not Chicago, and I mean, there's lots of reasons for that. We're biased, but. All told, the death toll was hard to identify because the records were burned in a fire, weirdly enough. Um, <laughs> but it is estimated that over 2,000 people died in the Peshtigo fire. That makes it the deadliest wildfire in American history to this day. That, I mean, we see that half the country is constantly burning. Not nearly as many people die in those fires, thank God, as did then. Not, no, not nearly as many died in the Chicago fire as did in Peshtigo. Not nearly as many people died in the Great Michigan fire, which also happened on the exact same day <laughs> as died in Peshtigo. Um, so the people who I talked about, the people who survived, um, were very lucky in a lot of ways. They thought quick, they stayed together, they did what they needed to do. And uh, I did just want to say that I'm going to visit the Peshtigo Fire Museum, which is in Peshtigo, and uh, it has first-hand accounts, it has artifacts from the fire, guided tours, and a cemetery memorializing the victims. So yeah, Aww. it's pretty rad. Thank you, aw, I agree. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, well, I guess we gotta wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for being here to listen to our weird podcast. We hope that you will join us in the future. There's um, a thing she likes to say at the end of every podcast that I don't like. Shit, I was going to... Okay. Uh, yeah, we, you just want to do it, and then yeah. I can... Okay. So we like to say at the end, and we, we, you should start saying this to each other, um, it's kind of like a be safe. It's called, don't forget your can of water. And that is because... <laughs> I did a story about a park ranger who was basically being hunted by lightning... So, like, he got electrocuted, like, seven times. Seven times in his life. And he just carried a bucket of water with him in his car for when his hair caught on fire. Can. It was a can was of a water. a can of water. That's hilarious. The can, you can't close a can. He's just got an open can of water with him at all times. So that's... If you were being hunted by lightning, you'd have a can of water, too. I guess. So, yeah, right? So now, so now we say to you, thank you for being here, and don't forget your can of water. Can of water. <laughs>